So I just want you guys to know what I'm doing is that I'm going through all you guys' questions, and I actually had them all on a page, and I didn't print the page out, and the reason why is because you have so many pages that I don't want to give you more today. It's just, you guys have so much, so many pages. So I, I do have all the questions that you guys have asked, and then we're going to go through, um, we're going to go through each of those, those questions that you asked. Um, some of them are just going to be statements, and some of them are going to be mixed up. They'll be mixed inside of mixed inside of each other. And so when I was um, studying this week, I'm like, okay, I will do this question. And so I did that question. And then I said, I'll do this question. And then I started, no, I don't want to do that one. I'll do this one instead. And then it wasn't big enough. So then I started another question. And then this one turned into huge. So this is the one that you're going to get today. It's not in the order that I really wanted, but but time was short this week, and when time got short this week, um, it, it, uh, um, this is what you're going to get. The one that I wanted is how to deal with difficult people. That was a question that was asked. How do you deal with difficult people? And I, it's not long enough to do an entire class on it, so I said, well, how about if we do how we deal with difficult people and how we deal with wicked people? And all of a sudden, <laughs> wicked people just showed up like crazy. And that's what you're going to get. We'll go back to difficult people. But how do you deal, ooh, my goodness, with wicked people? So I just you know, do want to tell you and, and, um, is that uh, this class, um, um, going even through the questions, is going to take some maturity. <laughs> and the reason why is because there's going to have to be patience, patience with me you know, in regards to uh, teaching. But you guys are going right into some tough subjects. I mean, immediately into tough subjects. And I want to know nothing except what the Bible says, what the, what the Word says. And um, so I want to answer the tough subjects, but as I answer the tough subjects, there's going to be like some tension sometimes in the room. Some people might disagree with me. You can disagree with me all you want. The only, the only thing that I want everybody to do is think. And so if I, if I do say something and, and I say, well, this is what the Bible says, I want you to think about it. And you don't have to agree with it. You just, just think about it. Just, just think. That's all. If we just generate thinking tanks and walk out the door, that's all, that's all we need. Because I'm not here to convince anybody of anything. I'm here to say, what does the Bible say? And then I present to you what I think that the Bible uh, says in, in, that, in that regard. And uh, so don't get mad. Don't get frustrated in this class. Because we're going to have to get right down to the nitty-gritty on some topics and as we do, um, it's all right to disagree, but it's all right to, you know, just, just work through it. And, and the other thing you're going to hear me is there's four D's when it starts talking about doctrine. This is what I did with my doctrine class. But there's four D's that I want you guys to always think about as well in regards to the teaching of me being up here or the teaching that is proclaimed from the pulpit. Uh, the four D's under doctrine is there's discussion doctrines. That's when you just talk about it. No big deal. And uh, then the next D is a, de- um, is a um, debate doctrine. That is where you only have a discussion, a debate with somebody who is mature, because you don't want to ruin relationships, you don't want to ruin anything. You just find maturity, and if maturity wants to take place, yes, you can put a debate so you can get your minds thinking and those things, but debate moves more into a category. I have my mind up, made up, you have your mind made up, and let's, let's let those minds come together and see what we can come up with. That's what a debate is. And then the other one, the other idea is a divide, a divide for doctrine. Um, divide for is not necessarily bad. We just take some doctrines that are in Scripture and say, you know what, it's all this, this church is, is doing this. That's wonderful. That's great. I just don't do it. Like speaking in tongues. You haven't heard me speaking in tongues. There's a lot of churches that speak in tongues, you know, a lot during the services. 
Well, they're not, I'm not throwing stones. I'm not you know, going after them. I'm not saying they're wrong. I'm not saying the Bible says absolutely everything that's taking place over there is, is wrong. I just am not there. I'm a divide for doctrine. I'm just going to come over here instead. You know? And this is where I have, have you know, based those, those pieces in. And that would be a, a divide for doctrine. A couple other doctrines are divide for. And then the last D is a die for doctrine. And the die for doctrines are manipulating the salvation message. I have taken the salvation message and have changed it in such a way that your eternity is at stake if you believe it. A die for doctrine would be, you know what, you can work your way to salvation. Another die for doctrine, Jesus is not God. Well, you start playing with those things, you're working into something that the Bible does not say that's, that's, that's black and white. And we can even go into cultural issues, you know, and say, well, this is okay. Well, if the Bible says it, then I made a statement of what I think Scripture says uh, or how I approach Scripture. And, you know, those, those are other die-for doctrines. So as we're doing this, discussion doctrines, debate doctrines, divide-for doctrines, and die-for doctrines, don't get worked up over anything but die-for doctrines, okay? Even a divide-for doctrines is like, you know, if, I'm, if you speak in tongues and I'm telling you, oh, you know, this is I don't speak in tongues— you don't need to divide if you don't want to. Just stay here, enjoy what's taking place, and those kind of things. So those things are what's, what's happening. So we're going to get right into the heart of it. How do you deal with the wicked? How to deal with the wicked? We're going to do one chapter, one Psalms, and the, I've always thought about it. I just love to preach through the book of Psalms. The problem is, is that all, every Psalm comes in a unit because it's communicating a large point with a whole bunch of points if it's, if it's even longer. So you have to do every psalm in one sermon, except Psalms 119. You can break that up a little bit. But you have to do every psalm into one sermon. So that's why it's so long, because we've got to do this whole psalm in one sermon, and the entire psalm is about the wicked, how to deal with the wicked. And then you can see, um, again, how it's, how it's broken up. How do you, um, who is the wicked would be one. Uh, how do you deal with the wicked, and then what's going to happen to the wicked. So I broke it up into three different sections. But I just want to read the Psalms so you guys believe that everything I say is going to be in there. And when we go through the points, I might not read all the verses as we go through the points, but I just want to say this is what this Psalm is communicating in regard to a subject that we definitely need to have in the world that we are living in. So let's read the Psalm and then we will go into it. Do not fret because of evildoers. Be not envious towards wrongdoers, for they will wither quickly like grass and fade away like the green herb. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and cultivate faithfulness. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your ways to the Lord. Trust also in him, and he will do it. He will bring forth your righteousness as the light and your judgment as noonday. Rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. Do not fret because of him who prospers in his way, because of the man who carries out wicked schemes. Cease from anger and forsake wrath. Do not fret. It leads only to evil doing, for evildoers will be cut off. But those who wait for the Lord, they will inherit the land. Yet a little while, and, uh, yet a little while, and the wicked man will be no more. And you will look carefully for his place, and he will not be there. But the humble will inherit the land and will delight themselves in abundant prosperity. The wicked plot against the righteous and gnashes at him with his teeth. The Lord laughs at him, for he sees this day. 
is coming, that his day is coming. The wicked have drawn their sword and bent their bow to cast down the afflicted and the needy, to slay those who are upright in conduct. Their sword will enter their own heart and their own bows will be broken. Better is the little of the righteous than the abundance of many of the wicked. For the arms of the wicked will be broken, but the Lord sustains the righteous. The Lord knows the days of the blameless and their inheritance will be forever. They will not be ashamed in the time of evil and in the day of famine they will have abundance. But the wicked will perish and the enemies of the Lord will be like the glory of the pastures. They vanish like smoke, they vanish away. The wicked borrows and does not pay back, but the righteous is gracious and he gives. For those blessed by him will inherit the land, but those caused by those cursed by him will be cut off. The steps of a man are established by the Lord, and he delights in his way. When he falls, he will not be hurled headlong. Because of the Lord, because the Lord is the one who holds his hand. I have been young, and now I am old. Yet I have not seen the righteous forsaken, or his descendants begging bread. All day long he is gracious and lends, and his descendants are a blessing. Depart from evil and do good, so that you will abide forever. For the Lord loves justice and does not forsake his godly ones. They are preserved forever, but the descendants of the wicked will be cut off. The righteous will inherit the land and dwell in it forever. The mouth of the righteous utters wisdom, and the tongue speaks justice. The law of his God is in his heart. He steps, his steps do not slip. The wicked spies upon the righteous and sees to kill him. The Lord will not leave him in his hand or let him be condemned when he is judged. Wait for the Lord and keep his way, and he will exalt you to inherit the land. When the wicked are cut off, you will see it. I, will, I have seen the wicked, violent man spreading himself in the luxuriant tree in the native soil. Then he passed away, and lo, he was no more. I sought for him, but I cannot be, but he cannot be found. Mark the blameless man, and behold the upright. The man of peace will have prosperity, but transgressors will be altogether destroyed. The prosperity of the wicked will be cut off, but the salvation of the righteous is from the Lord. He is their strength in the time of trouble. The Lord helps them and delivers them. He delivers them from the wicked and saves them because they take refuge in him. So we don't even need to preach. We just read. And I'll just tell you um, that I think on Wednesday I was reading my Bible, just reading my Bible, and this is the psalm that I read. And it, sometimes when I read, I'm like, what did it just say? <laughs> and then I go back. And then I start tra- trashing it and breaking it all up and start trying to, well, that's what this sermon is. It's, it's being in my devotion and going back and saying, well, you know, what did it say? Well, we got, we, got, we got to figure this out. And, then, and that's what it is, is trying to figure it out. So what, we, what I've done is I've just broken this thing up. And I've broken it up into three different categories because these are huge questions for us. The first category is who is the wicked? Who is the wicked? When we start talking about wicked, we have to ask the question, who is it? And remember the first sermon that I was going to do here is you know, talking about um, people that are difficult to get along with. <laughs> is there a difference between somebody who's difficult to get along with and somebody who is wicked? Um, yes, there's a large difference. But we don't want to even go outside of the Bible. We want to see what the Bible 
explains who the wicked is. So let's just look at number one. Number one, in this passage, in fact, you can look at verse 12, the wicked plots against the righteous, and it gnashes at its teeth. That's, that's an addition. But it plots against the righteous. Now, when you start looking at wickedness, you know, um, there's uh, different um, things that come out. It's premeditated murder or premeditated manslaughter. Um, in other words, they thought about it before it took place. Uh, when we move into the, the wicked, the wicked, which is plotting, which means strategically putting something together to get a wicked result. In other words, I'm going to organize something in such a way because I want something, and I need something, and this is going to happen. Therefore, I will manipulate others. I will, I will, I will, I will um, lie to others, and I will grab different sources in regards to get what I want to happen. That's describing what the wicked is. If it's not premeditated, it's a driven aim. In other words, it's somebody that is not going to all of a sudden turn directions. I mean, prayerfully, salvation will come to them, and then I'm like, oh my goodness, they, they came, so they're saved. But there's somebody that might be even talking to you that is carrying a wicked scheme and is plotting a direction to get exactly what they want. That's what the description is. It's one who schemes. It's one who's premeditated. Psalms 37, the wicked plot against who? The righteous. Work against the righteous and gnashes at him with his teeth. You know, when I read the Bible, you know, I, I do want to say, how can anybody hate Jesus? <laughs> I mean, how can anybody even hate somebody that, that, would, that loves the world. We're supposed to love the world. If we don't love the world, yes, condemnation should be on us. But, but there's such a beautiful message in the gospel. But why is there plots? And why are people gnashing their teeth at, at, at the church? There's something else that's driving it. We're going to get into that in Ephesians chapter 6. Our battle is not against flesh and blood, against the principalities, against the rulers of this dark ages. It's coming together, and wickedness will not leave as a result of you know, this world, on this world. It's just, it will not leave. It is, it is out there. Wicked people plot against the righteous, and they gnash at him with their teeth. That's a, a pretty ugly. And when you look at the pretty ugly, why were they so ugly to Jesus? <laughs> I mean, what did he do which is so bad? What did, what did, I mean, he, he saved people. You know, he did something that made them mad. But the thing that he made them mad is you have another God besides me. Ooh, that makes people mad. And, and that's why they even put him on the cross. And who wants to say that louder than anybody? Satan wants to say that louder than anybody. So the wicked is out there. And they come in groups. They come in droves. They, they come in governments. They come, they come out there. I mean, they're, they're plotting. It's moving. Number two, the wicked have drawn their sword and bent their bow to cast down the afflicted and the needy. Just to describe what a wicked person is. They take advantage of the elderly and the naive. They profit off of other people's expenses. They're greedy for financial gain, and therefore they are dishonest. They lead oppressive um, leading oppressive governments as is, is well. Governments, when people move into power, it is a great temptation, a huge, huge temptation. And you look at governments across the world, and you see, you, you see 
communism, you see oppression, you see starvation, you see um, control. The governments are, um, are, are tough. And, and what does the Bible call it? That's wickedness. Wicked are drawn their sword, they bent their bow, and they cast the afflicted and the needy down. They're on top, they're going down to the bottom. Um, they slay others in the name of religion. I mean, we see that through history. Um, spiritual manipulation is absolutely complete wickedness. Um, they steal, they loot, they destroy, they abuse children, they abuse the weak. There's people out there that do it. It just it happens. It is very, very present. So that's what a wicked person looks like. The wicked have drawn their sword and they bent their bow to cast down the afflicted and the needy. It's interesting why you would need to feel like you would have to cast down the one that is already hurting and the one who is in need. It's, that's, that's the weak. That is the weak person, but yet it happens. The wicked slay those who are upright in conduct. Now, when it comes to the word wickedness, you hear the word wickedness, you hear the word righteousness, um, you have to draw the line somewhere. So what's wicked and what's, what's righteous? Um, many, many, many people don't know where to draw the line. You know where to draw the line, and I know where to draw the line. <laughs> it's the word of God. I mean, that is the, the, the word of God. If I am a preacher for the purpose of financial gain, I am a wicked preacher. I mean, I just, I just have to say it because your souls are at stake, and I'm not even interested. I'm more interested in my, my pocketbook. That's, that moves me from a righteous preacher into a wicked person because there's a, there's a word of God that you just don't want, uh, you don't want uh, to cross. So that is the structure of wickedness, is what does the word of God say, and then what is standing up um, against it? And what is standing up against it? When you see something standing up against the Word of God that's overcoming the Word of God, you move into the category of wickedness and something that is not wicked, which would be, which would be uh, righteous. The wicked slay those who are upright. Maybe slay those who try to do it right. You know, I'll just humbly say, I'm a believer in the Lord, and I open up His Bible, and I don't do it all right, but I try to do it right. And as I'm trying to do it right, if Scripture says do something else, what I'm going to do is I'm going to try to shift it so I don't do something else. I just want to try to do it, do it um, right. And in one area, I'll just, you know, bring up, I'm not going to get into specifics, but I'll bring this up in regards to me, is in the area um, of racism. Um, I don't think I have a racist, I'm not a racist person in my bones at all. Um, I went over to Africa, and when I went over to Africa, um, I mean, everybody is, 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 is black there, and I'm just a white person that's just standing completely, entirely um, on the street, and, um, and I'm like, oh my, I'm, I'm intimidated, you know, with even this process. Um, um, but as, as I was over there, my goal was to give them the gospel, to work with them, to walk with this body, this unit, which is called the church. They're a part of us. They're a part of me. And, and I just never positioned us, never positioned us. They positioned us, but I positioned me, but I never positioned them. I mean, we're, we're servants. The way they positioned me is that when I went over there, I said, oh, yeah, you guys, let's, uh, you know, we're going to travel together with one guy in specifically. Um, in, um, specifically. And, and as we we're, we're traveling together, um, it's like, oh, yeah, let's just rent one motel. It's cheap. And they're like, one motel? <laughs> you know, yeah, we can do that in the brotherhood, but, you know, you're not a part of the brotherhood, you know, and so there's this, like, this, this uncomfortable, but then it's like, you know, I, like, why would we do that? It's cheap. It just it doesn't make any sense. And then we'd eat after each other, and they're looking at me, why, why, would, why do you eat after? They're like, what are you talking about? We're complete 
the same. There's absolutely nothing um, that, is, that is there in regards to race. I'm just telling you my sin and Mike, you know, saying who I am. There's just, there's just not one piece, and, and I'll preach against it because the Word of God preaches against it. But there's something interesting. That if I watch the news, I'm being put in the category. <laughs> and I'm like, no, I'm not. I'm not. And I want to scream, no, I'm not. I'm not. You know, I think that Georgia did an all right thing to say you need ID to vote. I'm not racist. I don't want to be. And all of a sudden, I'm all of a sudden being put into a category and I want to cry. I want to scream and say, no, don't, don't put me in that category. I don't want to be proclaimed as a, as a hater. You know, I, I don't want to be. The Bible says I should be proclaimed as a hater. And then all of a sudden you have a lot of sin that, that takes place. And, and there's things that are taking place in regards to the LGBTQ community. And, and oh, I, I love people. And, and I love them. And sin has taken hold of every single person. And they all are dominated by certain sins. And that sin is dominating people. But I will never not, not call it sin. But if I do not, not, not call it sin, then I would be somebody that would be a hater, and I'm not. And I'm, I just want to scream, no, no, I'm not. I, I just have to call it sin. The wicked slay those who are trying to be upright in conduct. And there's things that will, there's things that will be called. There's things, of, of, you know, things that will take place. Definitely go back to the Bible and say, am I in sync with the Bible? Because it is the only alignment. Because remember what wicked is. Wicked is to take Christ off the throne, and Satan is the one who's driving it. Not people, but Satan is the one that is driving it. And it is being pushed, and it is being pushed extremely hard. And sadly to say, I don't want to live in a world where I fall into the category of racism, because it's not in my bones. It just, it isn't. But things can be pushed that can start even tagging Christians. And it's hard, it's difficult. But don't take yourself and move to the category of, I'm going to believe this even though the Bible doesn't believe it, because remember what is behind their plot, the, a plot that could be taking place that is moving into a direction. So whatever the Bible says, make that your mark and don't cross over it, no matter what you're called. We hear scripture, they hated Jesus. They'll hate you because they hated him first. That's just, that's just what's going to take place. But just completely show love. But also you don't need to, to cross the lines of sin and say, well, the only way I can show love is if I cross the lines of sin and, and um, say that this is not sin. We can't do that. Psalms 37, the wicked have drawn their sword and they bent their bow to slay those who are upright in conduct. Number four, boy, do I need to be moving. Number four, the wicked borrows and does not repay. I don't want to give specific examples, but uh, we're in debt as a country. But the, the debt is uh, the other is our children's our children's money, and we don't want to we don't want to do that. And um, so I would say that that would be watch that. You know, that's that's just something that's 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 something that's not not necessarily healthy if we're spending somebody else's money. And I don't think there is a lot that we're ready to repay. Psalms thirty-seven: The wicked borrows and does not pay back, but the righteous is gracious and he gives. Um, we cannot condemn debt or hoarding if we hoard or, or, or live in debt. We, can't, we cannot say, well, that's wrong, because what happens is the personality of the government is the personality of the people. So if we are people who are living in debt, people are hoarding or people are greedy, the church is a people living in debt, 
hoarding and greedy, well, then we can't bring condemnation, or not condemnation, but even a statement to others that, ah, you know, this is wrong until we have done it ourselves. But this is what the passage says. The wicked borrows and does not pay back. What do the wicked look like? The wicked spies on the righteous and seeks to kill him. When it even comes to um, um, the righteous, it, it, there's the word that is even connected with even the innocent um, in, in, in a way. And there's a, there's a piece that we do. We spy on the, the innocent and take advantage of even that. And this has taken place in the world. The wicked spies upon the righteous and they seek uh, to kill him. So that's what the wicked person looks like. Now, when you see this, we can go, and our minds will go a whole bunch of different directions, you know, um, and your mind might go in the opposite direction of mine, you know, in regards to what is, what is wickedness, and, and that's okay, and uh, we're going to let that, let that happen. You know, we want everybody just to be on track with the Word of God, but I'm not giving you a sermon on how to be on track with the Word of God. I'm giving you a sermon on how you deal with the wicked world <laughs> that you live in, because there is wickedness, and I don't think a lot of people are going to deny that. So how do you deal with the wicked world that you live in? Uh, it gives us 10 principles that Psalms does. It gives us 10 principles of what to do. And you know what? We're not going to like these principles. I'll just let you know. <laughs> That's why I'm just going to say it and step back and say, okay. <laughs> the Bible said it. I, I didn't say it. But it's, I'm just pulled it out of that Psalms. It describes a wicked person. And then what are we supposed to do with the wicked? The first thing that he says is what? Don't fret. The first of the passage, I'm going to get into a, a whole bunch of wickedness that's going to come on in this world. And then he describes all the wickedness that takes place. And then he says, don't fret, not once, not twice, but three times as he's describing all this wickedness. Well, what is fret? Um, fret is burn. It's heated. It's kindled. It's glowing with blaze. So here we are in a world, and, and we say, okay, the world is wicked, or maybe you don't feel like the world is that wicked. However you feel, what you want to not do, according to this passage, is don't fret. Don't burn. Don't be heated. Don't be kindled. Don't glow with blaze would be the direction that it's given to us. A couple weeks ago, I talked about fear. What does fear do? Fear controls, fear rules, and fear consumes he does not want you to be owned, ruled, or consumed with everything that's taking place that, that is going on. That is, that's where Scripture is drawing us to. It's 37, uh, Psalms 37, do not fret because of evildoers. Do not be envious be towards wrongdoers. In Psalms 37, the same psalm, which I'm just working off of, do not fret because of him who prospers in his way. Do not fret. It leads to evil doing. Fretting is going to produce inside of us something that is going to come out of us that is not going to be good. So you instantly get a command, do not fret. And you're thinking, okay, tell me, I mean, maybe people, more people are worked up than not. Tell me how not to fret. Well, that's the second half, and hopefully we get to it, because there is a way how not to fret through this. But that is what the Scripture says. Don't fret. Next thing he says, trust in the Lord and do good. Right at the top, 37, verse 3. Trust in the Lord and don't get involved on what has taken place into the nastiness. In other words, don't be nasty with nasty. Trust is mean, 
I'm going to pull back and I'm going to be dependent. <laughs> this world could be falling apart, but I'm going to pull back and I'm going to be hanging on to something that is not the world. And the thing that I'm going to hang on to is God and I'm going to trust that he is in control. According to that passage, that's what he gives us. Number three, dwell in the land and cultivate faithfulness. You know, wherever you want to put the word wickedness, dwell is that I do live in the land, and as I'm living in the land, I do not want, I want to be somebody who is faithful. Faithful to what? Yeah, faithful to pray. Faithful to, I'd even saw, call elected officials that would say, you know, don't, um, you know, this is not something that's going to be healthy for our country, healthy for our children. The Bible says something different about it. Faithful to vote, faithful to give money to causes. You know, it says you're dwelling in the land, but in the process of dwelling in the land, be faithful on your land and, um, and, and do what is good and do what is right. We are dwellers here, and we need to cultivate faithfulness. Psalms 37, dwell in the land and cultivate faithfulness. Do not fear... Trust in the Lord, do good, dwell and cultivate, cultivate faithfulness. And then number four, delight yourself in the Lord. What's this psalm trying to say? This psalm is trying to say that wickedness should never steal your joy for God. We have been given something absolutely beautiful, and the joy of the Lord is our strength, and we live in a wicked world, and it is not supposed to quench joy. If we live in a wicked world, there needs to be one category of joy. And you know what it needs to be? It needs to be right here, <laughs> right in this church. And then if somebody walks in the door out of the wicked world, they should walk here and there should be singing at the top of our lungs. There should be joy. There should be happy. There should be a, a congregation with, with no fret. And they should be a congregation that's completely alive as the whole world falls apart because we have absolutely something that the wicked world does not have. Don't let anything quench your joy. Now, I'm human, and I watch the news, and I'm convicted often, and I need to be convicted more. Is because there's sources that give me joy, and there's sources that take away my joy, and just be black and white. The source that gives me joy is the Bible. The source that takes away my joy is what's going on in the news. <laughs> and my wife says, Turn it off. You've seen, you've seen too much. And I'm sorry, it just it sucks a lot of my joy. You know, it sucks some of my joy away. It cannot do that. I cannot let it do it. And we think, how could it not do it? We've got to confront. We've got to combat. We've got to destroy. We've we got to kill. If we're going to confront and combat and destroy and kill, what we need to do is we're going to do it only with joy. It, that's the only way you can do it is because our combating, our killing, and our destroying with the wicked is just going to turn the wicked back and forth, and it's just going to be this, this, this huge, huge battle that's taking place when everybody who is weak and needy is starving, knowing that the gospel needs to be given to literally to those, to those who are seeking and those who are saving. So yeah, they, people walk in the door. There's no fighting here. There's love here. There's a smile on our faces. We celebrate the cross. We sing about the cross. We celebrate a God who is in control. We celebrate sovereignty, which the song took place in the last thing. This is, this is what the psalm is telling us to do. Commit your ways to the Lord would be number five. Living in the wicked world, you need to commit your ways to the Lord. Say, this is the way um, that I'm going to um, walk, and it's going to be the exact same as what you want me to do. Psalms 37, commit your ways to the Lord. Trust also in him, and he will do it. He will bring forth your righteousness 
as the light and your judgments as the noonday. Number six, moving a little faster, rest in the Lord and wait for him. Now, these are a lot of things. It's like, oh, no, 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 no. We've got to do a lot more than this. Well, this is the command from Scripture in the heart of all the wickedness. Rest in the Lord. Rest in the Lord is the absence of emotional stress. In fact, if you look in Isaiah, you know, those who wait on the Lord, he will renew his strength and he'll mount us up with wings as eagles. We will run and not grow weary. We will all of a sudden walk and we will not faint. We would be a powerful source in this world. Only if we do what? If we pull back, rest, and Wait, that's where the strength is. That's where the power is. That's where the strength Now, you might interpret that and say, what do you mean rest? Does that mean not do anything? I'm not saying not do anything. What I'm saying is that we're not not doing that. <laughs> we're not, not not resting. We're not 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 waiting. And therefore, we're going to run out of steam. We're going to run out of wind. We're not going to be strong. We're not going to be powerful in a wicked world. Psalms 37, 7, rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. Seven, cease from anger and forsake wrath. Cease from anger and forsake wrath. Do not fret. It leads only to evil doing. It's going to come out of us, and we're going to start fitting into everything that that Scripture is is denied. And when we look at it, it's not about. And um, as we, we look at the book of Acts, you see these characteristics come out. How many times in the book of of Acts, is Paul angry because he's being locked up? Is Paul angry because he's being stoned? Is he angry as he's being shipwrecked? I mean, he almost takes, he takes pride in it. He's saying, oh yeah, this whole world's falling apart, but you know, it's like, oh, this is not good, not good, not good, not good, but I'm okay, I'm okay. And then he gets angry, he walks up to God, and he says, God, can you do me a favor and get this thorn out of my flesh? And God says, no, that's a prayer I'm not going to answer. You keep the thorn. Okay, that's all right. <laughs> you know, it, there's, there is that peace. And there's that peace all the way through the book of Acts. Now, sometimes it's inner side of us that we cannot have that peace because of what's going on. But David has this peace in the psalm. In Scripture, they're carrying this peace as it has taken place. Number eight, depart from evil and do good. That's... Uh, um, very applicable to a world of social media <laughs> because social media can get nasty really fast and, uh, and we can easily get nasty really fast with social media. And uh, so, you know, it's just, just simple words, depart from evil, don't do good, don't get in there and just and start attacking, getting ugly. Psalms 37, for the Lord loves justice and does not forsake his godly ones. They are preserved forever, but the descendants of the wicked will be cut off. The righteous will inherit the land and dwell in it uh, forever. And if you start looking at that, if we're going to inherit the land and dwell in it forever, we can actually relax a little bit and say, you know what, this is what's going to take place. It's going to be all right. It's going to be all right. Wait for the Lord and keep his way. That's another repeat from the top, but he's saying it multiple times. Then number 10, mark the blameless man and behold the upright. Mark is locate and separate from. Mark the blameless man, behold the upright, for the man of peace will have prosperity. So we can ask the question, how do you do this? It's a crazy world out there. How do you not fret? How do you trust? How do you rest? How do you wait? 
How do you delight yourself in the Lord? How do you cease from anger? Because this psalm is, is feeding us this kind of direction. And, and um, we will ask the question, what's going to ha- happen to the wicked? You know, we see all the things that take place, and when we see the things that take place, what's the one thing you want to do? You want to cast judgment. You want to destroy, and you want justice. That's, I'm, I'm sorry, that's me. I, you watch things take place you, with the wicked that is happening, the ugliness that is happening, and, and you want to cast judgment and you want to destroy, but, but who's the judge? Well, the psalm just walks all the way through it. It's like, don't fret, don't worry, just rest. Don't worry, I'm under control. Just delight, just do all these things because the wicked will be, he gives us what, eight of them? They will wither like grass and they'll fade like the green herb. This is what's going to happen. See, we get so attached to the wicked that it consumes us and ruins us and destroys us. And God's saying, just, just have rest. Don't fret. Trust. And these are words I'm saying to myself because I watch the news along with you. Don't fret. Don't trust. Just, just relax. For they will wither quickly like grass and fade like the green herb. The next thing they says about wickedness, they will be cut off. And even when it comes to, you know, I talk about, you know, the news pulls me down. These are things that pull me down. A couple of things that pull me down is, and it's happened so much, is the molestation of, of kids and, um, and, and abortions that take place. And, and my cry for justice, that's it's just, it's wickedness that takes place. But the, my cry for justice, um, my cry for justice does not give justice. It just doesn't. It just it doesn't give justice for them. And if somebody walks in my office and says, I need help because this is what has happened to me, what am I going to say for that person? Do I just say, you know, forgive, you know, don't worry, God, God forgive you, forgive, forgive them. When there's a heart that is just screaming inside of itself, is there any justice in this world? And you know what happens if you read the Bible? You'll hear over and over and over, there is. I will make everything right. That's what is in the mix of this psalm. There's justice. It is an attribute of God. I will do everything and make everything completely correct and everything that has taken place for the thousands of years as this world existed, there is justice in the world. Sometimes people just need to hear that. There is justice in the world. And we have a God, and God is saying, don't worry, they're going to wither like grass. Don't worry, the wicked that has taken place and it hurting people, ruining people, they will be cut off. The evildoers will be cut off, but those who wait for the Lord, they will, what? Take over the land that the wickedness thinks that they even rule. There's a peace that God is saying, hang on, because all this stuff that has happened is going to go away, and you're going to possess the land that is they think is theirs the arms of the wicked will someday be broken and i just want to go fast through this the wicked will perish i mean the entire psalms is unfoldness i'm not trying every point that i put in here i'm just completely regurgitating from scripture because god wants us to to know these things and sometimes it's like well you know i don't want to you know um see what God wants to do with the wicked, but sometimes we need to see what God does with the wicked because we're supposed to not fret. (laughs) We're supposed to relax. We're supposed to wait on the Lord. 
The wicked will vanish like smoke. They vanish like smoke. They vanish away. Relax, I'm in control. And one day, I, Christ will be the perfect government we've always strived for. Christ will be the perfect ruler that will not let our children be hurt, confused, abused. Nothing of that is going to happen anymore. They will vanish away like smoke. The wicked will be cut off from the land. They do not own the land. They do not possess the land. Therefore, again, relax. Stop fretting. Wait. Cease from anger. Proclaiming that he's in control. The wicked will be no more. Number eight, going fast. Sorry about that, but I need to keep going. The wicked will be destroyed and their prosperity cut off. This is what that psalm says. So when we live in this world, read that psalm every day. <laughs> every day, because there's so much that is said in that psalm, if you believe that we live in a wicked world, which we have always lived in a wicked world. This is not new. You know, we're not in you know, 2020 you know, or 2021. That's when everything came down. No, this is, it's, it's been a lot more wicked even before then, and it was a lot more wicked when David um, penned this psalm, and it was even more wicked that took place in the book of Acts. Wicked all the way around, and this is what they were holding on to. So how do we fight as Christians? Because you, you do want to fight, and how do you fight as Christians? There's two areas that, um, that we fight and, um, and, and just want to look at. Number one is, is that we pray. Second Corinthians says this, my people who are called by my name humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven, I will forgive their sins, and then I will hear their land. You say, well, you know, that's, that's just, that's not enough. Okay, you can do some other things, but this is the ultimate, is pray. And then the other piece is the gospel. The most effective way to fight wickedness is with that gospel. There's a passage in Romans, and I just want to read the passage, and I want you to see what God does in the passage. And when God does this something in the passage, I want you to see what takes place. Let's read it. For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes, his eternal power, and his divine nature have clearly been seen, being understood through what has been made, so they are without excuse. That first verse says, nobody has an excuse. People see me. My creation, my invisible attributes, my eternal power, my divine nature is obvious. And somebody says, I deny you completely. It's like, ah, you don't have an excuse. For even though they knew God, they did not honor him as God or gave thanks, but they became futile in their speculations and their foolish hearts were darkened. Possessing to be wise, professing to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of God for an incorruptible God, for an image in the form of corruptible man and birds and four-footed animals and crawling creatures. Even though they knew God, even though it's completely obvious, I did not fit their agenda. People did not fit, people didn't fit God's agenda. And therefore they knew him, but they refused to what? believe in him and embrace everything that this world offers as it mentions different idols 
Therefore, God does something. Therefore, God gave them over in the lust of their hearts to the impurity so that their bodies would be dishonored among them. For they exchanged the truth of God for a lie and they worshiped and served the creator, the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. For this reason, God does something. God said you can have it. (laughs) God said, gave them over to the degrading passions. For this reason, because they refused God, I'm just going to give you over. You know what this is? This is hell. (laughs) I just put it that way. Do you know what hell is? Hell is sin that's completely full grown. God literally says, you just will refuse me consistently, therefore you can have what you want. And that's what God has done here. For this reason, God gave them over to the degrading passions. For their women exchanged the natural functions for that which is unnatural. And in the same way, also men abandoned their natural functions for a woman and burned their, in their own desires towards one another, men with men committing indecent acts and receiving their own persons the due penalty of their error. And just as they did not see fit to acknowledge God, again, they're not acknowledging him any longer, God gave them over to the deprived mind to do those things which are not proper being filled with all unrighteousness, wickedness, greed, evil, full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, malice. They're gossipers, they're slanders, they're haters of God. They're insolent, they're arrogant, they're boastful, they're inventors of evil, disobedient to parents without understanding. They're untrustworthy, they're unloving, they're unmerciful. Sounds like a crazy, crazy world we're living in. And they're although they know the ordinance of God, that those who practice such things are worthy of death, they do not do the same, but also give, they can, I'm sorry, they not only do the same, but also give heartly approval to those who practice them. There's a verse we want to look at. (laughs) If we reject God, what does God do? You can have it. You can have it. Have what? You can have what you want. I will turn you over to exactly what you want. If you Turn away from God. God saying, you can have it. You can have completely what you want. And what you want is going to send you into the most wild, disgusting, wicked, evil, murder, strife, deceit, malice. For doing what? For just rejecting God. You can have it. It says, I turn them over to exactly what they want. And wickedness all of a sudden just, just thrives. It just goes crazy. It just comes completely unleashed. It gets wild and wild and wild and wild. Why? Because we reject God. So here I am, here you are, and we are a church. And all this stuff has taken place as a result for people that heard the gospel and reject the gospel. What should we do as a people? We should give the gospel so people would believe the gospel. And when people believe the gospel, they won't be handed over. Because what does the gospel give you? The gospel not only gives you salvation, the gospel gives you the Holy Spirit, which is Christ indwelling in you to fight against the wickedness that we're tempted to. See what's taking place is this gospel is going to carry all of us. It carries us, and it will carry the world we live in, depending on how many people literally believe the gospel. It's so important that the gospel is an obsessive focus in the wicked world that we live in. 
Yes, there's a lot of different focuses, and you, we talked about you know, how to deal with all the wickedness in the, in the Psalms passage, but when you hear the words, do not fret, wait on the Lord, relax, trust in God, when you hear all these things, how can we say okay to God? <laughs> the reason why we can say okay to God in regards to doing that and do those things is because so many people, God has just said, I've handed over. I've handed over. And you have to live with them because you're here on this earth. You have to live with them. And they are handed over. And they are blinded. And they are going to take it. And you're going to pay. But rest of the Lord. Don't fret. Do not be angry. Let you and your home and us in the church be the place of rest for a crazy nation that we live in. For a crazy people that we live around. This is what the, the, how the church functions. This is what the church is supposed to look like. The one spot where people find heaven. And there is no way people will ever find heaven is if we're not at rest. If we're not completely and entirely consumed. So that's, I didn't leave a lot of time for questions, but we'll leave some questions. I know that people are going to say, well, aren't we supposed to do this? Aren't we supposed to do this? Yes, you can do that. Yes, you can do that. But on these principles, this is what we want to rest on as top priority of where we're at. So any questions that, that are out there? All right, that sounds good. We're kind of over anyway. So if I keep on smiling when people walk in the door, and there's a crazy world out there, and people are going, why does he keep smiling? Well, the reason why is because we're saved by the blood of the Lamb, and we live in a world that needs to be saved by the blood of the Lamb. I feel it along with you. You feel it. We see the wickedness, and we hurt, and we hurt in that process. But we've also been given direction in that process. In Psalms 37, it's the direction that we've been given. You guys are dismissed.